Welcome to the show, and today we'll be talking about Richard Dawkins and Matt Dillahunty as they discuss weird motorcycle helmets that scan your brain, AI that can't be religious, and the divine hiddenness of God. I can't wait to get into it. And so today I brought in along with me uh, Dr. Jonathan Pritchett, who is our world-famous, world-famous uh, professor of biblical studies and vice president of academic affairs here to join me, professor of some of the apologetics classes and administrator at Trinity College of the Bible. Not just administrator, president. Yes, that too. With the largest office on campus, by the way, bigger than mine. Well, you, you know, if you don't make the big bucks, you can have the big square footage. Donald Trump gets a lot of flack for his horrible hair. But Richard Dawkins has horrible Don't hair. do that. I know, Don't I'm do a barber. Do you know, know how long I've been sitting here wanting to say that Richard Dawkins and William Lane Craig obviously buy their ties at the same store, but I didn't say that. <laughs> well, he just did. <laughs> no, I'm a barber. I notice these things. Anyway, Richard Dawkins needs a hairbrush. But before we get into that, we would like to make big bucks, at least so that we can increase the production value of our show, which has steadily increased thanks to the wonderful contributions of our patrons and if you would like to help continue uh we don't even need the big bucks we'll take small bucks please yeah, donate to visit our- us at patreon.com slash trinity radio or click in the top right hand corner of this screen but now let's jump right into it and let's take a look at what richard the richard dawkins has to say so let's begin with this question from the audience uh, thank you both for coming. Uh, Mr. Dawkins, I've read most of your books and I've been a big fan for several years, so it's good to see you here. Um, my question is more about AI. I watched a, a TED Talk with Sam Harris, and I know you computers for several years as well. Um, do you think we will ever achieve AI? And if so, would that AI ever become religious? It's an, it's an interesting question. I'm not quite sure why, why it gets a laugh. It, it... Yeah, now... This... I love that. It's interesting. I, why are you laughing? So, uh, the thing is, why, why are they laughing? Because if a, naturalistic atheism is true, we are just physiological machines. There is no soul. We're just robots, basically. Moist robots. Moist robots. And I know people love the word moist. And so, Dawkins here is confused because the fact is... They're laughing at the concept of a robot being such that it could have these sorts of abstract thoughts and consider things like philosophy and all these sorts of things. And Richard Dawkins is probably sitting here thinking, well, now, hold on a second. If they're moist, if you're a moist robot and they're robots, this shouldn't be funny. But the fact that they're laughing sort of betrays a little bit of they are kind of laughing at the idea of a robot being like us, that the robot experience would be anything like right. the real human experience. So but it that's is going to get him in trouble. Here. And I agree that it is funny that that is a funny concept. But on their worldview, I don't think you're allowed to think that that's all that funny. Right. So let's go ahead and hear what they have to say. AI meaning artificial intelligence. Yes. yes. Why is that funny? If I had to guess, I, I think they're anticipating an entertaining answer. <laughs> on whether or not AI would become religious. Okay. Um, well, um, I think it's a fascinating topic, um, scientifically, philosophically, actually. Um, the, the question of consciousness is um, uh, deeply, deeply mysterious, and yes. it may well be solved by no. AI research eventually. Not really. Do you want to comment on why? First, I want to comment on all the flack that, rightly so, rightly so, Donald Trump gets a lot of flack for his horrible hair. But Richard Dawkins has horrible Don't hair. do that. I know Don't I'm do a barber. Do you know, know how long I've been sitting here wanting to say that Richard Dawkins and William Lane Craig obviously buy their ties at the same store, but I didn't say that. <laughs> well, he just did. <laughs> no, I'm a barber. I notice these things. Anyway, Richard Dawkins needs a hairbrush. There's a... Yeah, okay, well... The, 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 but here, yeah, here's, here's the problem. Okay. Number one, it assumes, he's right that consciousness is deeply mysterious, but some of us have kind of a, an inkling about what it might, where it may come from. Uh, Talking to the microphone. It may come from the fact that we're made in the image of God, and it may yeah. come from the fact that we're not just monists. 
It right. could be the fact that we are dual in substance and not just mono in substance. Right, and dual in substance doesn't mean icky stuff. It means there are two substances that, yeah. that, that comprise a human being, that is, yeah. a physical body and an immaterial soul. So yeah. for those of us who are Christians, theists, and actually for the majority of the history of the world, uh, most religious people have believed that there was immaterial stuff going on too. Mm-hmm. So well, we, If you want to call it spirit, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's a bigger subject we could talk about. Spirit but, or soul. But the thing about it is, uh, so if we have two substances, then we don't have a problem answering the question of consciousness. And we actually find it not surprising that science would be like, wait a minute, we are having a real hard time right. <laughs> understanding this subjective conscious experience yes, that you seem you have, to have. You have a you have an immaterial self supervened on your physical locatedness. And another problem is if you if he thinks that AI, this is a very strange flub, I think, to say that AI is somehow going to. And let me just go ahead and set up the rest of this video by saying lead to the, lead to Richard the, Dawkins may well be someone who can talk about biology and stuff with a lot of street cred. But when he starts getting into philosophical concepts like this, the fact that he's the Richard Dawkins shouldn't carry any more weight than the guy named Fred on the street that talked to you about this. Well, Fred might actually do fair a little bit better than Dawkins. Fred's I mean, is probably a substance dualist, whether he knows what that is or right, not. Right, but I mean, a lot of atheists, what was the the guy's name that said that his book made him, who was that? Michael Roos. Oh, said Michael Roos, yeah. Michael Roos said he was embarrassed to be an atheist after Dawkins, uh, the doc, what was it, the, D- the God, God delusion? delusion. Yeah. And I've heard you say there are few things more simple than Richard Dawkins' God delusion. <laughs> yeah, no, as I said, makes me ashamed to be an atheist, I think was the phrase I used. <laughs> what do you mean by that? In what way is it simple or well, simplistic? Well, I think it's, it's not simple, it's simplistic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with KISS, keep it simple, stupid. I mean, one of the virtues of science is simplicity. The trouble with Dawkins, I mean, yeah, maybe this is envy. The guy sold three three million copies of the, of the book. I wish, you know, I wish I'd sold three million copies of one of my books. Uh, I mean, the trouble is he just doesn't take the things that he's talking about seriously. Yeah, see, I, I only paid attention to the audio version of that. It was him and some lady um, that kind of co-recorded it. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, I mean, I, I get where Ruth's coming from. I mean, it's not that, that Dawkins is a unreadable writer he's just a bad philosopher and no matter how witty he tries to make his writing it's still horrible philosophy so yeah Uh, yeah so the problem that ai is ever going to lead us to a solution with consciousness is it'll always be the case that you have to take the ai's word for it that it's experiencing a conscious experience in fact the reason that you're able to look at your brain scans right now and say oh, it looks like this part of the brain's lighting up so the person is experiencing this particular emotion or whatever is because somebody told them that and they recorded it that when this part of the brain lights up and then this is what people experience because overwhelmingly people have told us that when they're thinking of this or having this experience of emotion, this part of the brain lights up. You have to go by what's reported. And when it comes to AI, since you're you're just having to take the word of the AI and even if you're saying, well, you think the AI is lying to you? No, I think the AI has never had an experience of consciousness and so wouldn't know how to report that, right? Yeah, and so, but, but part of the problem, so for, for a lot of people, they're going to just say, well, if you can't tell the difference, if it gets so sophisticated that you can't tell the difference between that and a person, then there, for all intents and purposes, is no difference between the functionality of an AI brain and a human brain, and then they will think that they have licked consciousness. But as you're pointing out, no, you're just uh, assuming that. Plus, well, uh, part of the problem is there's a world of difference between what we're made out of Mm -hmm. and our parts Mm -hmm. that go into our brain and what we have constructed in the AI's brain. And until you get to the level of sophistication of the uh, new Cylons in Battlestar Galactica's reboot, um, I I don't think that you could you know, I, I think I think even there there's a difference. But yeah. I don't think that you could ever you could never be conclusive that you've solved consciousness because you have made a device that can mimic human behavior in a way that you can't tell the difference between that. And if you were on the phone, say you were on the phone with the AI and you were on the phone, but couldn't see whatever it was made out of. Right. And another human being, you couldn't tell the difference. 
that doesn't that doesn't mean you have solved consciousness. What it means is you have created a convincing AI, and nothing else follows. From that. Right, and if you say, well, yeah, but we know that we're conscious. So yeah. if we, and you were kind of hinting at this, if we were to create a sufficiently sophisticated uh, robot AI that we can't tell the difference, like what, a number six from Battlestar Galactica, like we had her, mm-hmm. and you couldn't tell the difference, right. then the fact would remain that. You're at, this is actually a presupposition of naturalism. You're presupposing that if it is exhibiting symptoms of consciousness, that is, if, it, if it's doing the things that conscious beings do that we, that we know are conscious, then it must be conscious because, and here's the presupposition, that's all we are as machines, like it's a machine. So yeah. if we're machines and when we act this way, we know we're conscious and that's why we're acting this way. So when it acts this way, it must be conscious too. It's just a presupposition of the very thing that we're discussing, which is whether naturalism is true. Right. So, so that's an interesting idea right there. But, but. Um, hey, but let's let's even grant. Let's just let's just go with naturalism for a second. I still don't know if naturalism is true. Then we are the result of an unguided, unaided process of millions and millions of years. Yes. Okay? AI is not that. Mm-hmm. So. How can you know that the if naturalism is true, I want to know how can a guided creation of an intelligent designer that mimics its designer, how could you ever tell that that is no different in terms of conscious experience? Yeah, well, this is one of the problems. And something that would be unguided and unaided. So, mm-hmm. so you're, it's still apples and oranges to me because you're yeah. assuming that just because you can mimic the unguided and unaided, yeah, the only way you got there was by guiding and aiding it. Yeah, so. and another, and another, and you're hitting close to one of the big problems. When I was in Australia last year, I was talking with a guy who actually part of his PhD work was to uh, work on artificial neural nets, like artificial brains, and yeah. he, incre- he was able to increase by some small part the speed at which these uh, artificial neurons fire or something. And so yeah, I had kind of an expert in this area, and I, I thought that was interesting because I'm, I'm not usually around people like that. And so I said, hey, uh, do you think it's the case that could we tell, like if we, if we had an indistinguishable artificial intelligence, could we ever find out for sure whether it was conscious or not? And his answer was, I don't think, and most of my colleagues don't think, that we ever could know. And the reason you couldn't know is, how would you ever know that what it was reporting to you, like we said a moment ago, how would you ever know that what it's reporting to you is true? Because if it's sufficiently convincing, it's going to claim to be. It's going to say, I mean, even right now, if you talk to Alexa, you ask her things, she seems as though she's conscious. And I think even if you ask her, she used to say, no, I'm not uh, self-aware or something. But I think now she says something kind of dodgy about that. She's getting a little bit of sass in yeah. her AI. So, I mean, an, an AI would say something like, well, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm just like you. I'm conscious like you. And if it, func- if it works right, I wouldn't know the difference between you telling me that. Right. But how would I ever know for sure that, it, that, that, that what it's reporting is not just a part of the, you know, what it's developed internally as a part of its software? versus the real deal. You could never know. You'd have to be taking it. Yeah, but you just take my word for it that I'm having a lived-in conscious experience. Yes, but I also know that you have the same... Somehow to yours. But you have the same physiology. You have the same... uh, I I, I know your whole deal. Yeah, but if you had number six from Battlestar Galactica sitting here... I wouldn't take it for granted that she was conscious. No? I wouldn't take it for granted that she was self-aware. You didn't know she was a Cylon. Well, that's right. but And that's true. That If we get sufficiently convincing AI and I right. don't know the difference, then I wouldn't know it wasn't a human. But if I know it's not a human, then, yeah, I'm very skeptical. And there's no way to know for sure that it really is. This is, a, this is I think, a major problem. And we can imagine a day coming when... And if, and if and it, it, you know if, if this continues to develop, I'm sure this day will come when we're talking about rights uh, and privileges for these persons, uh, and they'll be considered persons. But all the while, we won't really know: are right. they having that conscious experience? Right. And from where I'm sitting, I will I don't believe they are uh, on my worldview. But even on your worldview, Mister Atheist Naturalist, you couldn't know. Yeah, you couldn't. Could know, and it still doesn't even. The best thing that you can you can do is even in, in the programming of such a thing, which uh, you know, is mimic, because what we're talking about is well, he's going to meander through that, so maybe we should let him. Yeah, let's let him meander through that. So I think that's very interesting. 
Um, I, I now understand why there was laughter. I, I misheard it. I, th I thought, I didn't hear the word religious. I thought I, you said pernicious. <laughs> um, which, maybe, yeah. Um, it's, it's a toss-up as to which one is more dangerous. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, I th you, you could program it to become anything, I suppose. So you could certainly, you could, you could program There's a religious robot right if there. you wanted to. Um, some of you may have read Douglas Adams's uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, where there's a character in it called the Electric Monk, which is a robot um, device, a, a machine you buy to do your believing for you. <laughs> in the same way as you buy um, vi video recorders to do your television no, you, watching for you. Have you read any of those Adams? No. You haven't read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Game? Oh, yeah, well, I watched the movie. No, you gotta read Douglas Adams. Okay. The trouble of watching the it yourself. The finest literature um, produced by an atheist. The electric monk does your believing for you. And the Mark II electric monk is capable of believing things they wouldn't believe in Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you could... You could ask a, a sort of philosophical. You know, even though I disagree with this guy, I actually, this is the most I've ever liked him. He's giving me some personality here. There's something to work with. Richard Dawkins. Now he's giving you Douglas Adams. In this video, <laughs> I, 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 I've, you've increased your likability with Brian. I never watched the. Uh, and I already like Matt I never Matt watched Dillon. the show on Amazon, but, but, but um, yeah, he's giving you Douglas Adams. He's not giving you his personality. He's giving you. Okay. Well, he thought to do it. Now, uh, remember to talk into the microphone, Dr. Pritchett. We have viewers who are asking for Turn that. it up. Turn up your audience. interesting question. Would, would evolving artificial intelligence robots evolve towards religiosity in their own right without being programmed to do so? Um, and I can't see how that would ever happen. Right, because they're so Although different they than us. Eventually they're not the same they as had us. A creator. They'd actually be right. Now, think about that joke for a moment. Matt Delonge just said, if they developed a religion and decided that they mm -hmm. had a creator, they'd actually be right. And oh, God, that's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, here's the thing about it. Um, think about why that's funny. You're saying, okay, if we developed after it's taken all of human history to get to this moment where we were able to construct something this sophisticated, this pronounced, this... Uh, impressive that that it is the achievement of design and engineering right. that now we've got this and it would be right to think that it has a creator but the far more advanced being the human being yeah. who's capable of creating something like that mm -hmm. whose neural capacity is still higher than that oh that didn't have a creator you know that that's uh, yeah right. that's a great joke it illustrates the point I think yeah and it also well and it also poses a problem that there is something fundamentally different if it did not. The human behavior developed religious practices and beliefs. Why would not? Why would the? Why would AI not? Right. Did you already get to the point? I stopped paying attention. I mean, in fact, it, but back to Battlestar Galactica, they did. They concluded monotheism too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Did he already get to the point where he said that he didn't think they'd be religious? Right. Yeah. Okay. He said that. Okay. I stopped paying attention. Well, here's the thing. Well, that is Richard Dawkins. When entirely... he's not talking about Douglas Adams' books, he's boring. Now stop it. Now be nice. Uh, the, the, I appreciate that you're trying to be more charitable here. I'd like Richard Dawkins' Blind Watchmaker. Well, here's the that thing. That was a, did you ever read that? Yes, I did. I've read Yeah. I've read I don't believe it, but multiple it's multiple Richard Dawkins. But it's well written. Yeah. Okay. So the problem is here we have a major inconsistency. Nice. We have a major inconsistency with Richard Dawkins with his atheism, mm -hmm. and that is he just said he he didn't think that they would become religiously inclined. Why not? We did. Right. The, the whole point is Richard Dawkins wants to say that we are merely physical structures. It's all just physiology. We're just moist robots. And if he's going to say that, and he's going to say that these things are going to be purely physiological, purely physical things, then if we developed it, they should at least 
yeah, they would plausibly develop on his, it. On his view, evolve into those kind of beliefs. Right. And if they don't, then isn't Dawkins saying there is something substantially different between a purely physiological robot and a human being, that their experience, their robotic AI experience, is substantially different in some respect to the human experience. Yeah, and then back to Matt's joke, Dawkins would have to say that they're, they're vastly different, but for, Matt has to believe that they would be right for concluding that they had a designer. Right. Yet we are foolish to come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, they, they should be able to look at their design and conclude rightly they have yeah. a designer, but we should not be able to look at our right. superior design. Right, way, yeah, our superior design, infinitely more complex probably. Yeah. And then, oh, no, no, that just... Uh, yeah. Okay, let's let's keep Surely, going. I, I know that our atheist friends... Uh, just grit your teeth and agree that there's a problem there. Yeah. yeah. I know it hurts, but that's inconsistent. It, but you're the ones who believe in this evolutionary stuff, so your problem. Hello, I suppose that's the end of that. All right, so let's move on to the next section now, and uh, let's get into some uh, divine hiddenness stuff uh, and other things. This is going to be interesting. But there's a potential point of disagreement. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, you know what? So I've said before that I've Dilla disagreed Hunty's with everybody in the movement. tie is better than, than, than Dawkins' tie. That's a great tie. In fact, honestly, I, maybe I'll bring it in in a future episode and show you. I think I have that very tie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't have that suit. I'll tell you that right now. Including no, me. A, all right. Over sport, and over again. Um, but there's a question that I get that I know you've received as well. And it seems to be one of the most common questions people ask and what people want to hear most. And unless your answer has changed... I think we may give different answers. And so I wanted to explore that for a minute. On the issue of God, what would change your mind? Well, I used to, and I still really, I think I do say that um, I, I, like any good scientist, I would, I would change my mind if evidence came in. Um, and I used to think it was obvious what that evidence would be. I, I mean, Jesus would return in clouds of glory and, and um, there would be no question about it. And I suppose I would be convinced by that, but I, I'm somewhat, really, really it's, by, it's by the conjuring again. How do I know that it's not a, a very clever trick put on by Penn and Teller or... or, or <laughs> I mean, when you think of what, what you guys can do um, with, with just, just card tricks, um, I could imagine some gullible person being convinced of, of the, this, the, 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 that's a miracle. Um, Hume's So you can't CGI criteria, that, you can't uh, Photoshop that, you know. There's no magicians who staged it for, in some of those cases, You weeks, don't know, it could, could be Penn and Teller. Weeks in advance. Uh, yeah, unless you're shooting a Hollywood movie that had a sequel that no one watched. Now you see, it's pretty good movie. But I mean, yeah, um, the fact that some of those setups are quite elaborate, but you can't CGI out your window, that would not convince him. He says he thinks it probably would, but he can't say for sure because it could be a trick. Because it could be a trick. Let's let's. Well, hear you know what? I mean, any. Well, okay, I could say that. Okay, let's 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 yeah. see. Um, for um, for a, for a miracle, which 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 is more probable that there really is a violation of the laws of physics or that you've been deceived or you're hallucinating or you've gone mad or you're dreaming. Um, and the, the, it, it all comes down on the, on the latter. Um, so I'm not totally confident that I know what would convince me. Aha. Uh -huh. um, that, that's, that's, that's fabulous. There's no disagreement. <laughs> So I, I had heard, um, actually, I imagine No Religion 5, I emceed an, an event, asked you and uh, Lawrence Krauss questions, and this question had come up, and I've, I've heard both of you give an answer, and I used to give the sort of glib answers of, you know, voices and appearances in the sky or yeah. writing and those things, and I realized, you know, this, the same thing, going back to Arthur C. Clarke, any sufficiently advanced technologies indistinguishable, indistinguishable from magic, so glad I speak English, American English, partially. <laughs> but 
the answer that I came up with, which is both honest and frustrates the crap out of theists, is I have no idea what would change my mind. I don't, and I find it a bit arrogant to presume that someone should think that I would have the capability of distinguishing a god from some amazingly advanced trickery. I don't know. It's wait a minute. But it's if you're arrogant to think that he's smarter than he wants to give himself credit, why is it arrogant? He's for trying me to, to say think? no, no, no. He's trying to say because he's trying to say I would be arrogant to assume that I could tell the difference. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to steal man this guy, okay, which is I don't, the strongest I don't, expression. I don't get saying. why. Were you? Are you? Are you frustrated by the fact that he gives that answer that he doesn't know what will? I'll give him my thoughts when he gets done talking. Okay. Right, and there is a God. That God should know exactly what it should take to change my mind. And the fact that this God has not done this means that either this God doesn't exist or does not want me to know that he exists. Either way. Not my problem. <laughs> Actually, there's a problem with that because it could also be that no matter what he did, you would not change your mind. And so, therefore, maybe he's done everything in the fact that you still haven't changed your mind. Aha. Uh -huh. That's right. So, here's what I see going on here. Because once you say, and let's, let's take him at his word, once you say lights in the sky, voices, whatever else is not going to do it, then why would God do it? Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Unless you're being dishonest, mm -hmm. which we don't want to psychologize. Just say you're just up there telling. No, I try to I try to be charitable enough right. to presume so, someone's telling. So me. if God does exist, let's say for the sake of our argument, grant us our belief that God exists. If God exists, why in the world would God put lights in the sky for Matt Dillahunty when that won't convince him? Yeah. If Jesus would sit in his rooms, he would. His first thought would be. There's a projector behind the wall. Somebody's pulling a trick on me at two in the morning or whatever. Yeah. So why why would God bother? Have you, you know, there, there's a dynamic here. There's God and then there's us. So yeah, I guess if determinism was true, God could make you believe. Mm -hmm. Would you like that? Yeah. He could also make you worship. Would you like that? Right. Right. So. If you're going to go ahead and establish the fact that nothing will convince you, or at least nothing that's overtly obvious and miraculous and, you know, bright lights, big fish, as uh, Leighton would say, then don't expect to see it, you know? Yeah. Because it's not going to convince you. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think you hit all the stuff that I would typically bring up here, and I would just say, look, here's the thing. Uh, first of all, I think you have constructed an epistemology such that nothing will convince you. Is he being honest? He says, I'm being, I, I'm trying, the most honest thing is to say, I don't know what would convince me. Yeah, that's honest. Within the epistemology that, the, that you've constructed, which somewhat protects you from belief in God. So you've constructed epistemology that, um, that disallows for, like, when I debated him, I pointed out that in Max, when he talked with Matt Slick in 2015, he said something like, if a man parted an ocean in Jesus' name, would you then believe that something supernatural had happened? And he said, no. And so if you've, got a, if you've constructed an epistemology such that parting an ocean in Jesus' name, you don't think anything supernatural has happened, okay, maybe there's something that convinces you. But it, number one, it seems like you've constructed it all in such a way that nothing could, practically nothing could convince right. you. And then secondly, it also, you know, Matt Dillon, he's a debater. He's a debate. He's a professional debater. That's what he is. And it, I'm not saying that this consciously or unconsciously, what has happened is now he's got in debate something that's really helpful, which is in, instead of saying, like he said he used to say, like, if this happened, I'd be convinced, or if that happened, I'd be convinced. He now just says, I don't know what would convince me, so tell me what you got, and I'll tell you whether it's convincing. And conveniently, no matter what is brought up, will be convincing. So he doesn't put his he doesn't put his cash on the table and say, all right, I'm all but in. But you notice he decides the whole way through. He decides that bright lights won't convince him anymore. Mm -hmm. He's decided that nothing you bring up is going to convince him anymore. Mm -hmm. He demands that God should know 
what uh-huh. would convince him. Now you hit on because that Because God bit. is omniscient, but what if God knows that nothing would convince him? What if that is the information right. that's the true propositional knowledge so, that God has that nothing will convince you? So let's present the strongest possible expression of what he's saying. Well, I did, he gave me two choices, steal, and I thought neither one of them were true. Which is to steel man him, which is to say what he asked me in debate, which is, could, are you saying your God is not strong enough that he could create a world where I remain a Christian? Well, he could, but like you said, that may be a world where determinism is true and nobody has any free will. So yeah, everybody would be a Christian, you'd be a Christian, but you wouldn't have any free will in that world. If God wanted to create a world of free creatures where man is actually able to give of himself for the good of another, uh, which is the only type of world I maintain where you would have real genuine love and sacrifice, and moral then in such a world, uh, you may or may not be a Christian. Well, isn't there some world that God's aware of where I'm free and I remain a Christian? Not necessarily, because it may be that, it, that even though there's a possible world, and that is one where God determines you to be a Christian, or a possible world where you're free, it may be that when he actually gives man free will, when you shake it out, those worlds where you have free will, you never accept uh, Christ or remain in Christ or whatever you want to say. And it may well be because you have constructed a paradigm, an epistemology that disallows for things that would get you to God. So you could accept more of the philosophical arguments, the historical arguments about the resurrection, the personal experience type stuff. You could accept some of that stuff that would absolutely get you to God and the Christian God even. But you have decided ahead of time that your epistemology is going to be one that, and he's admitted this to me, is either based on the natural sciences or something science-y, something like that. And that, to my mind, is not to be a free thinker, but is to narrow yourself and be dogmatically narrow in your approach and only listen to what the lab coat priesthood, I'm sorry, I don't want to be snarky, I'm just kind of calling it like it is. And the second thing I want to point out is uh, you get to choose what you're going to be skeptical about. So a person like Matt Dillahunty isn't skeptical of what some would call macro evolution. Uh, has he ever actually observed it happening? Well, you might say he's read about all the all of the experiments, but there he's just taking someone else's word for it. Yeah, and those experiments aren't evidence of macro evolution anyway. It's an extrapolation of that's right. And so he would say he would what he would say about the gospels. I would say back to him, where he would say you shouldn't believe something just because a bunch of people wrote it down. Okay, well you're believing something that a bunch of lab right. coat priests wrote down. Now, that's not up to be offensive to scientists. There are wonderful scientists out there. I'm just saying that this is how I think they're yeah, viewed but you, but he by has, many he atheists. Has, he, has, he has an arbitrary skepticism by choice, mm-hmm. and he has a self-defeating uh, epistemology, epistemology by choice. Yeah, it is very much like a soft scientism which can't yeah. support itself. But further, I'm not done with the skepticism thing yet. I no, it is a scientism plus a maybe you'll come up with a sciencey something like science yeah that'll be considered a science mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> so it's scientism but, but here's i'm not done talking about this choosing to be a skeptic thing or what you're going to be skeptical about so he would not accept that and i want to point out well, he's going to he, say i don't choose any of my beliefs i want to point out that he would not accept that but what i want to say about this is he he even if you say well he may have observed some of the uh experiments related to evolution Maybe, but he doesn't have the relevant degrees in the field to know exactly what's going on unless someone tells him what's going on, mm-hmm. in which case, again, he's taking someone's word for it. So he chose to be skeptical not about evolution, but to be skeptical about the philosophical argumentation or the religious conclusions or the God or whatever. He's choosing what to be skeptical about. And when you choose what to be skeptical about, then in a certain and you choose your epistemological structure, you have culled away those things that would get you to God and you have... Uh, culled away and chosen to be skeptical about things that would get you to God. So these two things together, epistemology and skepticism, allow for you to remain safe within your atheism, what you're calling atheism, and on top of that, you have chosen it for yourself, which means back to your, not to be presuppositionalist about this, but back to your presuppositions, you have decided on things that would get you what you wanted. Now, I'm not saying that he consciously did that. I'm not saying that that was something that he's trying to do. I'm just saying to someone looking in, not trying to psychologize, that is what happened, whether that's what yeah, you what intended or not. But he could just say, I didn't choose any of this. Well, then there's nothing rational going on. You have no claims to knowledge because you, <laughs> the only way you can have rational uh, Well, I've heard him say he doesn't choose, you don't choose beliefs. You don't choose beliefs. Here's the thing about that. Um, this um, this has to, to do with what we call doxastic voluntarism. Uh, 
this this idea that you you okay it's true that I can't like if I wanted to believe that there was an elephant in the room with us right now mm-hmm. that I should obviously be able to see that if that's real like nothing like he's a microscopic like no 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 he's a real elephant I and he's in the room with us um, I, I can't that's right I, I can decide to believe it but I can't deliver to myself on that I can't make myself believe it but you know what I could do with other things I could choose my beliefs by way of indirect doxastic voluntarism. What I could do is I could open myself up to fields of study or build an epistemology that allows for or disallows for particular things. Or, or take, for example, if you're out there and you think that, that, that evolution is true, but say you started out from a position of not believing that evolution was true, you could choose to believe or you could choose to read predominantly what creationists, young earth creationists produce, like Answers in Genesis type stuff, or you could choose to uh, read mostly what evolutionary uh, evolutionists, biological evolutionists say about this, like Richard Dawkins. And based on what you choose and allow yourself to be influenced by, you're going to arrive at uh, a cho- uh, probably a belief that emerges organically, but you chose to put yourself in a position, uh, situation where that belief would arise. And continually be reinforced in a hermeneutical circle. Right. I, Tim Stratton does a great example of this. Say, say a guy marries a woman and she has a son who's mm-hmm. like, four years old or something and he may not love that kid immediately uh and if he doesn't spend time with that kid he may never love that kid probably won't but if he intentionally chooses freely to spend time around that kid to have experiences with that kid to go places go to theme parks things like that then that those feelings will will emerge naturally yeah. But he chose to have them emerge naturally by putting himself in the situation where they would emerge. So can you choose your beliefs? Yes. And, and, and you know what else you can do? This is exactly what Dilhunty has done. You can build your epistemological framework and organize your skepticism in the direction you want it to go. And then the beliefs will arise naturally. But you chose, to, you chose your end result by choosing how you were going to structure everything. Right. So that's kind of how I'd answer that. So... I'm not sure exactly where we got to with this. Uh, have we gotten to the issue of divine hiddenness yet? Let's see where we are. Oh, it's not his problem. Yeah. So, so it's not his problem. So he's saying it's not my problem if I don't believe in God because either God didn't give me what I needed. So we've answered the question of um, it may be that there's nothing that would convince you and that God knows that. And right. it's not that he couldn't make you believe, but if he gives you free will, you may not believe in any world that he gives you free will. But what about if someone is uh, less... This is the what we're seeing on the stage right now. These two guys, both of them, is an unrealistic level of skepticism. It's a showboat skepticism. Yeah, but let's say we have a more reasonable person in front of us. Sorry, I don't mean that to be offensive. I'm just, I'm just. No, this is unreasonable here. level of skepticism. Yeah, if you have a more reasonable person who says, no, 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 I'm an atheist, but listen, no atheist. Okay, I say, I say, evolution is stupid, all the time. But if I also said no amount of evidence, no matter what, could ever. So some species gives, has a baby and is an entirely different species. That's not how it works. And, no, I'm just saying. They, they do that right in my face. Yeah. I'm not talking about... Well, if it did. You're if, saying if it did happen. punctuated equilibrium theory, it could happen. No, no, here, no. no. Here's, here's what you want. If in the future we have this special camera that can pull together all of the history of the world and you can watch a time lapse... Of it happening over the centuries and millennia. Not if, not if punctuated equilibrium theories. Okay, what get, get to the point you're so, making? So a okay <laughs> within, uh, you know, somebody shows me, you know, an entirely new species having evolved. Right. From a you have incontrovertible species. evidence Inco- that evolution and, is nope, true. Nope, you faked that. That would you be unreasonable. You duct taped feathers on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I said that. It's one thing. It'd for be me, unreasonable. It's, it's, yeah, it's one thing for me to th- think it's stupid. And this is unreasonable. This okay. This I wouldn't believe that. I wouldn't believe if the ocean parted in Jesus' name is the equivalent of taping feathers onto a dinosaur. Right. Is what we're saying. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's I agree. That's pretty good. So okay. you can think theism is stupid, but you you shouldn't be unreasonable about it to where nothing could convince you. Or because I think I would be completely unreasonable if I said no amount of evidence right, can convince me it. of evolution. Yeah, you good. show me all this evidence of yeah. evolution, I'm like yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. that's good. Okay, so but like to, right here in your office, we, this thing happens, and I'm like, yeah, no. Okay, so but if we have a more reasonable person who says no, I would be convinced by whatever he names some things, uh, but that doesn't happen. Like Jesus coming in the clouds of glory and 
you know, uh, uh, an ocean parting in Jesus' name. So you show me evidence like that, I'll believe, but I'm waiting for you to show it to me. To such a person, they may, they may have a real issue with what is known as divine hiddenness, the problem of divine hiddenness. Why doesn't God show up in a more obvious way that everyone can easily believe? If he really loves us, he could do that. This is, I think, the second best argument that atheists have after the arguments from evil. And those aren't even a good one. But, but well, they're powerful. They're emotionally powerful. So here's the thing. The response to that that I give, and see if you have anything to add to this once I'm done, but the, the, the response that I have to that is to say, okay, first of all, I don't think he's all that hidden. Because to my mind, every physical object and every concept in the universe can be used as part of a compelling case for God's existence. And it literally, and I'm not chest thumping here. I'm telling you, this is not posturing. This is really me. It blows my, I get it. I, I mean, I see why. I hear your arguments. I'm not ignorant of your arguments. But it blows my mind that people don't at least believe that God exists. Like, if you if you don't believe in the resurrection, we can talk about that. But if you don't at least believe that God exists, I just, I, I, I love you. I appreciate it. But I, it just, it blows my mind. Um, and all the things that you think about how shocking it is that we do believe, I feel it stronger in, in the other direction. But having said that, even granting all that, why doesn't Jesus show up on the White House lawn or in Jerusalem or whatever? every couple of years and get on C-SPAN and, and, and tell what his plans are and reaffirm that he really does exist and maybe disappear and reappear a few times so that we know it's all, you know, it's all real and everything. Create something, you know. That, okay. All right. Why does he do that? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the way I answer that is, first of all, if he were to do such a thing, um, that would be to, con- to, to be an attempt to convince everyone intellectually that he actually exists. Now, that's not what the Bible seems to indicate what God wants. Uh, What God wants will entail that. That's true. But what God wants ultimately is for people to come freely into a relationship, a covenant of love with him. And he's not, and if he happens to know, as God would, that in a world with this level of evidence, he actually gets the largest number of people freely entering into a covenant of love with him, then he's not required to give us more evidence than that just to suit our fancies. Um, it's not just that he doesn't just want the intellectual belief. And here's the thing. Take Matt Dillahunty and Richard Dawkins. Just Matt Dillahunty. He's on record saying that if he did become convinced that God actually did exist, he still wouldn't worship him. Well, if you wouldn't worship him, even if you came to believe that he actually exists, then why would God give you, as you said a moment ago, the sort of evidence you're talking about, the, uh, what did you call it, like the flashing of lights and the, all those kind of things. Why would he do that sort of thing if he knows that you're not going to accept that anyway? Why, what, what's the point? Or if you did accept it, you're not going to bother with having a relationship with them anyway. Right. Yeah, this is what I mean. Yeah. I mean, we already know people. Okay, I don't think Putin or that little, what is it, Kim Jong-un now? Whatever. Whatever. North Korea. These aren't, yeah, North Korea, little tyrant son that's a tyrant. Um, What is he? Tyrant. Okay. I, I think his dad was like also a crappy independent filmmaker. But okay. I don't know if the son You're going to forget your point if you don't give no, it. No, my point is, is I know that they exist. I don't want to have a relationship with exactly. them. Exactly. And they're, yeah, that's absolutely right. Now, even though God is not an evil dictator, um, there are a lot of people that believe that Obama There's exists. There's a lot of people that believe that, that he is an evil dictator. Oh, right. Uh, oh, Obama? No, well, oh, him God. too. <laughs> But there are a lot of people that believe that Obama actually exists. And they don't want that didn't want a piece of him. Mm-hmm. They don't want anything to do with that, right? right? Even if it were obvious to people, to me it is, but even if it were obvious to you that that God exists, that the Christian God exists, uh, God might, people might be repulsed by what he wants from them and what he expects uh, of yeah, them. Yeah, because they love their sin. Right. God's not cool with sin. And they're like, well, yeah. So. I, I don't buy it. Well, the people yeah. that are telling me why doesn't he do all this stuff, then later tell me like Matt Dillahunty. Well, I wouldn't believe if he if he if he did. Right. I wouldn't I wouldn't worship him. Okay, well then quit this. <laughs> what are you talking about? All right. all right, is that the end of that whole thing? I think it is. So let's move on now to the last and uh, very interesting uh, issue that we're getting to. This is the sort of Mad Max uh, neurological helmet. Mm. for a sci-fi film. And that guy should be an actor in the film when we make it. All right, here we go. Um, My question is about the uh, God module. Um, As you know, there have been some research done on um, the fact that, well, if it's a fact, that um, believing God and superstitions is hardwired. 
I'm talking about the research that uh, Michael Persinger did at um, uh, Laurentian University. And you yourself actually tri tried the uh, God helmet as well. So if that's the case, if it's hardwired, then I don't think any education can convince the people who are hardwired to believe in superstitions and God and gods. Then I don't think education can do any enlightenment for them to, to see the reality. And it seems like believing superstitions and God is an evolutionary tool for them to survive the horrible life that we have in terms of survivalship, that they can rely on some sort of supreme source just to go through the hard Those time. Those weenies oh. that needed evolution to give them fake beliefs to cope, unlike us who are not hardwired for this. Right. Whatever that is. And personally, I think that there is an offshoot in the, evolutionary, um, in the evolution of human mind, and it's us, the atheists, who have the hard wire again to see the reality, to realize we that. We see the real deal. Right. You know, th before we go on, even if I granted everything that he's saying here, it could just as easily go the other way. Your presupposition makes you see it that way. It could go the other way. We could say, no, actually, you, poor thing. you are the <laughs> rare example. The vast majority um, of humans are hardwired to believe yeah. in God. You guys are hardwired not to. It's so you sad see, that you, you can't see, see the reality. See, yeah, you can't see the reality. You, you live in this fantasy world of no God. Not that I believe that that's You're, what's happening. You poor victim. You, we feel sorry for you. But I don't see that happening. I'm just pointing out the presuppositions here. So let's, let's keep going. There's no God. There's no creator as such. Um, after, I would say, 20 years of the Internet, information is free for everyone. I expected that by 2005 there would be no theist ever. All the information is out there. I can understand. I can see where we yeah, come from. Yeah, 3.9 yeah. billion years. All the information is out there. Right. All of it. Yeah, like anyone can dial up a debate with William Lane Craig and hear the evidence. Anyone can access the near-death data from all the medical journals. Everyone can access the uh, stuff that demonstrates teleology. And realize, oh, this conforms with my experience. Right. You know, of the divine. Years of evolution on Earth. It's pretty easy to see. I see it, but it seems like 80 to 90% of people can't. If that's the case, that believing God is hardwired, why educate them about something that would be futile? Yes, I, I, think, I think the phrase... In other words, they are not... Well, let's, let's keep going. Hardwired can be, uh, can be overdone and can be understood as being too, too rigid. Uh, I, I have... I did submit to Michael Persinger's helmet um, this is he's a he's a Canadian researcher who puts a modified motorcycle helmet on your head and passes magnetic fields through your brain and claims that in 80% of cases he can induce mystical or religious experiences I was looking forward to this I didn't expect to see God I, th I think I expected to sort of feel a strange oneness with the universe that kind of thing but I, I got nothing at all um, <laughs> The, 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 this, this was done as, a, as an experiment by the BBC, and um, because it was television, there was only one control, um, and uh, th this, the control was a local vicar. And uh, he, he also claimed to have no religious experience under the influence of the helmet. But Michael Persinger told me afterwards that whereas my EEG, uh, my brain, brainwave patterns, were exactly those of the 20% who don't get who don't get this experience. The vicar was a prime candidate. He was right in the middle of the 80% who do. But he was his, his his brainwaves indicated that he was struggling not to submit to this, and he was doing something like reciting the multiplication tables or something to try <laughs> try to to shut it out. Um, I, I, th I, think, I think you're seduced by the phrase hardwired um, because you, you, you take it to mean irre irrevocable, and so, so it does when it's normally used. I don't think anybody would really want to suggest that there's neurological evidence that it's hardwired in, in that sense. We've already discussed the probably perhaps minority of people who, who, who cannot be changed, but then we had this in the answer to the previous question this more encouraging 
um, evidence that, that a lot of people do actually change their minds. Many of the activists in the atheist movement are actually ex-vicars, ex-priests, ex-preachers, and, and ex-fundamentalists like, like, like Matt. Um, yeah, which is why I reject the premise. Okay, well, now we're going to get to we're going to get back to the uh, motorcycle helmet from the dystopian future in just a moment because that's the that's the bulk of what we want to comment on here. But listen to what Matt says, and and I'm not going to I'm not go I don't mean this as pejorative to a particular theological position out there, uh, but I just want to see if you notice any similarities. Um, and actually, I'd like to see him put his helmet on all the members of the clergy project to see. Now you've, now you've got people who were ostensibly very religious for a great deal of time and are not now. Uh, obviously, we can't go back in time and put the helmet on them beforehand. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think that, I, I don't, like I said, well, I'll just go back to my previous answer. I can't tell the difference between somebody who may be irrevocably religious and those who are able to see reason. The, the, but we really got to move on to another question. The, the Okay, so now, now what Matt is conveying is, okay, he's granting, maybe, maybe there are people who... There are some that are irrevocably religious. Yeah, they, they are the determined elect the, the, no, the ones of that are atheism. Ir, yeah, the irre, yeah, they are the ones who are not religious at all and have been immune to this. Uh, yeah, they were the ones that were passed over by right. determinism. And right. the, the <laughs> now the reprobates would be the ones who are irrevocably religious. Yeah, right. But since since Dillahunty can't tell who the reprobate and who the elect are, he can't tell are, the difference. Yeah, he's going. So he to, evangelizes. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sorry, evangelizes. He, he's the one who tries. He reaches out to all of them. Right. Yes, there is because a, for all he knows, they could they could stop belief. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there, there is that. that I, wait, look, look, look. That is not. If you're a Calvinist out there, you should recognize this as a cheap counterfeit. That's how yes, I view it. That's how, yeah. Of the one truth about the way it really is, a cheap counterfeit. But in both cases, you do have predetermined. We don't go there. Yeah, there's so, yes, let's, let's, and, yeah, election. Yeah. That, but here's the thing. I want us to get back to well, election and selection. Motor motorcycle and helmet here. Uh, so. So what what is going on here is he's saying they're ripping you off, man. There no, are certain they're doing. There are certain people who have um, who who have brain chemistry such that they are susceptible to these sort of interesting religious experiences. What seem like religious experiences, where you have these this euphoria, these kind of uh, feeling of connectedness with mm -hmm. those around you, and all these kind of things. And that some people describe as an experience of God. Uh, and some people don't have that as obviously so. And it reminded me of a book that I read probably 10 years ago called Why God Won't Go Away. This was not a Christian apologetics book. This is a book by three medical professionals, I think. And I'm probably going to botch the science here or the biology here. But what, if I remember correctly, what they did was they, they pulled together this research about people in worshipful experiences, like in a corporate worship service in church or in a meditation state or something like that. And what they found is when people are rocking or with a group of people, they're all singing the same things and focusing on the same ideas or they're clapping or something like that, that what it does is it actually slows the flow of blood to the occipital lobes and creates a feeling of disassociation with yourself, like you're kind of outside of yourself, like you're kind of So it's a connected. transcendental or religious experience, altered state of conscious maybe, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that people have this. And so, and even people of other religions have this. Sure. So it seems to just be a physiological trait or thing yeah. that happens. And, uh, but some people don't have it. There's a certain number of people that it's, it's harder to produce in them, probably because these are people who have just, their brain structures are different or whatever. And so Dawkins wants to say about something like that, okay, but look, the thing about it is that just shows that we can explain it naturalistically and therefore there's nothing special about it. No, exactly. it shows that you can map it naturalistically. Mm -hmm. It doesn't show that you can explain it. Yeah, this because you're going to make a really good point. But before you do, I want to say what it told, I just know you. I, I, it, it shows a teleology. So the same people that, one group of people, skeptics, again, this is presuppositions here. Skeptics will look at that data and say, we can explain it naturalistically, so what are you, what are you all excited about? 
Whereas I'll look at it and say, wait a minute, you're telling me that our brains are formed such that they are primed for uh, this sort of experience that causes unity, peace, and a feeling of connectedness to the divine. Yeah. My brain is formed for that. Seems like that's a little suspicious. Yeah, you know? purposeful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I want to make two points here. One, Christians have a very robust view of creation. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth, and we believe that a significant portion of the creation is material. So it doesn't surprise Christians at all that Christians, when they have divine encounter, it encompasses the entirety of creation, uh, of the created order, including the body as well as the spirit within the body, you know, the soul or whatever. Yeah, it's a weird Gnostic sort of flavor that's gotten into a lot of churches today. That or in the atheist, the physical thinking. body doesn't matter. Yeah, to or Christians. it's Gnostic for the atheists to think that we would not assume that there would be, like, you know, that we would not expect physical reactions to things. No, right. of course not. We believe that there. I don't even like the words supernatural and natural. I'm with N.T. Wright on this. That's a post enlightenment distinction. That there's a supervening of the of the hidden in the scene realm. As, as yeah. You use Heiser type talk. And I don't like yeah. the, the term violation that atheists insist upon using yeah. for miracles. A miracle is not a violation. If God's doing a miracle, it's his creation. He's not violating anything. He's It's an intervention. That's how Alvin Plantinga says we should right. say it. And I agree well, because if I, if, I, if I were to drop this cup right now, it's not a violation of the laws of physics for me to reach out and catch it with my other hand, right. but it is an intervention in the natural flow of things if I reach out my hand right. and catch it. So that's the second thing I want to bring up. Number one, we expect fully comprehensive religious experience to be body, soul, mind, spirit, which is all the things that God wants us to love him with. Mm -hmm. Your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Yeah, Everything. Yeah. All right, so that's... And number two, when it comes to the miraculous, we believe that... The, these these miraculous events uh, are tied to the physical world. He, the healings heal physical bodies when that kind of miracle happens, right? A resurrection happened to a physical body. A parting of the Red Sea happened to a physical body of water, right? The earth opening up and swallowing the rebellious people at Korah, that happened to physical people standing on top of physical ground that opened up beneath them, right? Mm-hmm. For uh, for Christian belief, we we certainly expect the natural world to be impacted by divine activity. Sure. So there's no problem there for us. Yeah. Even if you offer a naturalistic explanation for why that could have occurred, that doesn't explain the timing or the circumstance in the high, what you would call the religious theater or the highly charged religious uh, context. You're right. Like so, when you, in all those examples you gave, yeah, and I often give the one with uh, when the children of Israel are going into the Promised Land and the priests are carrying the Ark of the Covenant, and they put their feet in the waters of the Jordan River, and it, the water stops, and there's no water, and they're all able to pass. Um, somebody might say, "Well, yeah, but you know, uh, the Jordan River is prone to mudslides and that dam up the river, and so that can be explained why that would happen." Well, okay, fine, but it it happening at that exact moment in that, like you said, religiously informed theater uh, is the thing that's impressive, not the fact that you can explain. I mean, when Jesus healed someone, uh, like the guy with the withered hand or when uh, reattached when, the, reattached the, the ear, if we could have seen what was really happening, we might have been able to see, uh, you know, stem cells rushing to the surface or whatever, however that works. Uh, and you go, well, we can explain it. Well, okay. But a miracle still occurred when someone prays for a cancer patient and the blood cells rush around and all these kind of things. You could explain what happened, but that it occurred in that way. Of course, we're, we're talking about physical things being acted upon. So, of course, we would expect to see physical right. stuff. Why, why bother with a miracle at all if, it, if, if the only kind of miracles happened where you couldn't witness physical phenomena changing? Right. Now, now, I grant you there are eternal miracles. I mean, the miracle of someone becoming a believer— yeah, that's a miraculous event. There's a, a, a rebirth, so to speak, taking place there. Yes, but those aren't the only types of religious experiences that Christians believe. Christians believe that, yeah, uh, one of the things that makes them wow, bang, bright lights, big fish is that you can observe them in the physical realm. Right, so. and so uh, another thing I want to say about it is 
Yeah, that there are people who don't seem to as easily experience that because perhaps because we live in a fallen world, there are, um, uh, you know, people's brains are, are structured a little bit differently or, or whatever. Just like people don't have as strong a biceps. I don't have as strong a biceps as you do probably. Uh, some people's Not right now. I've blood been working flow on to their occipital lobes maybe maybe differently but here, or however that works. But here's the thing. That doesn't mean they're not having a real experience of God. I was preaching in a church, I think it was called First Baptist Church in McKenzie, Tennessee, some years ago, and they had two services on Sunday morning. And the boat people were coming to Christ and believing for the first time. And in the first of those services, a very emotional woman just about did backflips down the aisle and gave her heart to Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. I believe she had a very emotionally charged experience of God. Yeah. In the second service, there was a local medical doctor that came forward. And it was very much like a business transaction, and he gave his heart to God. He still had an experience. I, I believe God. they both had the same Holy Spirit right. in, in come into their lives. But the thing about it is, uh, it's still the case that, um, that these uh, experiences being able to have a physical side of them doesn't doesn't yeah do i mean anything. i'm a christian i don't have a whole lot of those kind of transcendental moments. i've had them mm-hmm. but i don't have them a whole lot True. i don't have i believe that they occur i believe in miracles and i believe in the spiritual gifts even continuing today i have none of the charismatic ones but you if know? you'd like so to have... i'm not sitting here, I'm, so i'm not sitting here shilling for this kind of thing right mm-hmm. that's i'm like that medical doctor mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so for me it's now like, if you won the lottery i bet you'd be pretty emotional well, no, and I if mean, you I, weren't, no, it would only mo- be because I, I, you want everybody else to know and that you want you want them to keep their hands off no, your money. No, I, I never said I didn't get emotional. By I the way, emotional. if you're one of those people that uh, when I go down the road and all, I, if you may think, well, is he trying to say that gambling is wrong? Let me tell you something. Ga- ga- gather close, Internet. Here's what I will tell you. If you're one of those people that um, that when I'm driving down the road and all I want to do is go speak at something event, and preach the gospel, and I stop to get a Diet Coke, and I go in and I can't buy it because one of you people is in front of me in line scratching off one of those godforsaken tickets after the other, and I have to wait for you. You may or may not be in sin, but I'll tell you this. You are one of the most annoying creatures that God ever yes. created, so be rest assured of that. But um, uh, I actually you'd have, be emotional about yeah. that. Well, no, I'd be, I can get emotional about things. I'm talking about the transcendent experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. something beyond just the fact that you and I were standing at Lake Geneva, Wisconsin at the church uh, with our good friend Matt Mozekis leading worship, and you and I both teared up. Yeah, sure. Uh, glad we were on the front row and no one could see that, even though I announced it on YouTube. But no, I'm just saying, I can get emotional, but what I'm talking about is that heightened sort of transcendental yeah. altered state of conscious yeah. type experience. So, look, Not in many. the end, whether you're the person that has the very emotional backflips down the aisle sort of personality or whether you're like the medical doctor who it's like a business transaction if you'd like to come to know the lord jesus christ um then i want you to know that you can do that uh god loves you jesus died for you whoever you are no matter who you are or where you are and i'm happy to say that and i'll tell you that the how you do that well the bible says in romans chapter 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised jesus from the dead you will be saved and the, uh, the Bible in multiple places teaches that you must repent in order to be saved. And that means to turn, to turn from your life without Jesus to a life with Jesus, to turn from a life of sin to a life with Jesus. Now, you might say, uh, but I don't consider myself a sinner. Well, you may not be a bad person from a human perspective, but we've all done things that dishonor God. And so we need Jesus as our advocate. I can't speak up for you on uh, the day of judgment. Uh, no pastor can, only Jesus can. I would hate to be in a situation where I didn't have Jesus on my side. And uh, but more than that, you get to be a part of the kingdom and you get to worship your God and enjoy him forever. So um, if that if that's what you'd like to do, I think that it's appropriate to tell the Lord that in prayer and say, look, I believe that you died for me and that God raised. I believe that Jesus died for me and and that you, God, raised Jesus from the dead. And I, um, in the name of Jesus, want to repent of my sins, turn from my life uh, without you to a life with you and uh, commit my life to you. And it doesn't mean you won't make mistakes going forward. You probably will. But if you confess those sins, uh, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And if you do that, I hope you'll let us know. You can let us know by sending an email to braxhunter at yahoo.com. That's B-R-A-X-H-U-N-T-E-R at yahoo.com. And I'd love to know about that. And I'll keep it private unless you don't want me to keep it private. Maybe you want to tell everyone. But the next step will be that you get involved in a local church. And I know there's some of you out there who have been on the fence, and, uh, and now is the time. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. You're not promised the next breath that's in your lungs, and we live in an uncertain world, and today is the day. 
But if you'd like to go further, uh, we'd like to encourage you to check out other great apologetics channels like Mike Winger, um, Capturing Christianity, Inspiring Philosophy, David Wood's channel, Act 17 Apologetics. But we, we'd especially like to encourage what you, do you to mean? check out. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, and we'd also like to especially encourage you to check out members of the Trinity Commission. That's our podcast consortium. And you can do that by checking out Leighton Flowers at Soteriology 101, Matt uh, Chisholm and Billy Wendelin at The Bible Brodown, and Steve Gregg, The Narrow Path. Also, if you're interested in supporting apologetics and evangelism, YouTube is the first place that young and old people alike go to get answers. Uh, when they're having questions there, and there's a problem we there. want to be on the front lines answering these questions and it's our goal to make response videos to every relevant uh, atheist on the internet or has been and so if you'd like to support that you can click in the top right hand corner of this screen or you can go to patreon.com slash trinity radio or you can click on the patreon link at the end of this video during the end notes but listen hope you've had fun hope you've learned some things and uh, Dr. Pritchett uh, Dr. Hunter. I think they can see us next time on Trinity, Trinity Radio. Radio.